When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. In today's special lunchcast edition, I am with, or I am Redcast Rob, I should first say. And I am with, uh, well, we'll call him a special teams, uh, what, kickoff specialist and in the hunt for a field goal kicker. And uh, I assume just with his size, linebacker duty there for the uh, <laughs> for the uh, Huskers, Brendan Frankie. How you doing today, Brendan? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, man, I, I am doing great. You know, uh, before we get started, I have a couple things that I want to run through here for the show, if you don't mind. Uh, first, I want to let all of you uh, Redcasters let you guys know that, um, oh, where is that going here? Um, we have, of course, our Hail Varsity subscription. You can go to hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe, and you can receive a $10 discount on your first annual subscription with Hail Varsity. Again, that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe. We also have an upcoming show on Monday, July 20th at 8 p.m. Central with Mike Babcock, where we're going to review the uh, Nebraska and uh, Oklahoma rivalry. That'll be a great episode with him. Babcock's a historian, as well as uh, most of the guys on the Redcast are. I'm, I'm constantly learning. Um, also, Alumni Hall. You can uh, go to alumnihall.com backslash Nebraska dash Cornhuskers. We have two Lincoln locations. One's in downtown on P Street in a brand new location at South Point Pavilion uh, next to Barnes and Noble. And that actually is going to be opening on June 29th. So we're all really excited about that. And for, as you can see from the graphic here up on the screen, if you're watching live with us, uh, you can pick up one of those awesome dad t-shirts that you get uh, like I have right there. So we, we do love those. Uh, also, FSC Edge um, go to FSC edge. If you're in the hunt for a job right now at jobs at FSC.com. And we will touch a little bit more on that. All right. And Brendan, a few things that I like to do and we like to do on the Redcast when we, uh, introduce somebody is, uh, you know, go back and kind of look at some of their tweets and everything like that. So looks like out here, you, uh, just a guy ready to, uh, boot some touchbacks in Ireland. So let's yes, talk a little bit about that. You know, I mean, Ireland's coming up. I think now we're down into the 60s. So I think it's like 66 days away. From I think we're yesterday was 66. I believe today is 65. 65. So um, you ever been overseas before? I've never left the country. No. You've never left the country. Okay. Because nope. you're from Gretna, right? Yep. Born That's right. So, so you did play uh, contrary to uh, – what it says on the Nebraska Huskers website, a little breaking news here. He did, in fact, play high school football for a year and a half, right? What position were you there? I didn't do anything but kicking. Okay. Uh, kick. I did the kickoffs and the field goals, and that was that was about it. 
Okay. And you also, um, you played soccer as well. You were goalie, right? Just a second here. It's giving me a little. Oh, that's okay. Audio interference. Oh, that's fine. Sorry, Redcasters. He's uh, kind of coming out here. So I, I know we'll get back to him on his uh, thing. So actually, let's uh, sit here and talk a little bit. So Brendan, he did play also at Morningside. Um, he joined us in 2021. And for Morningside College, he made three or four point after attempts. Oh, and here he comes back in here. So uh, we'll add him back to the stream. There you are. We were just talking a little bit about your time at Morningside uh, College before you came over to Nebraska, how you were three or four in point after attempts while handling the kickoff duties. And you knocked 35 of 59 kickoffs for touchbacks. And the biggest thing for me, I was at the Illinois game last year and uh, watching that first kickoff go back into the end zone was was actually really exciting for us as Custer fans because it was a while before he had anyone who had a foot big enough to do that. So, um, you know, Tell us a little bit about kind of the focus that you guys have going on right now with special teams, especially the specialists, because I know that last year, and I'll play this uh, real quick clip, all right, and watch this, and then you gave a reaction, but I want to hear your reaction when current. When the coach says it's not the special teams, it's the specialists, how do you guys receive that message? We receive it as like uh, he's just challenging us to be better because he expects more out of us, which he should. You know, we're a D1 program. We should be doing things executing them the right way and uh when we don't do that you can understand how it's frustrating for him that way all right so you know it is and it's like you know saying about the specialists and that includes you know place kickers and point after attempts and field goal unit as well and you could hear the ESPN sound in the background there from somebody's phone so obviously the minute you said that somebody sent it off to ESPN for breaking news. That's obviously what was happening there. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what are you guys doing in the offseason right now to get better in those areas? Because special teams, let's be honest, was one of the maligned, you know, forces, we'll call it, in in the uh, in the Husker uh, game last year. And, and a lot of it going three and nine, sometimes we were just one score behind. So what are you guys doing this year to improve? And, and what does it look like with some of the new kids coming in? So a big thing that we did over this last offseason is obviously we took full advantage of the transfer portal, picking up guys like Brian Bashini, who was the number one punter in the FCS, and Timmy Bleak Road, who's a great field goal kicker out of Furman uh, down in – up in South Carolina or Georgia or wherever. Yeah, South Carolina. And so uh, I would say that uh, with the new staff changes, you know, with Coach Bush kind of taking the reins here and uh, all the – all the new all the new changes we've made i'd say that we're a lot more bought in this year because we kind of have to be i mean after such a disappointing showing really all around last year for the special teams area i felt like it was uh it was a really big needed uh change in not only uh, mentality but uh in energy in the room uh this it's already showing to be a lot better like there's no there's no negativity around the room right now we're just you know, we can really only go up from where we are and uh, just we're trying to just be an ascending uh, special teams room this whole year. There's we're not we're trying to stack days of being great every day. Yeah. And and right now you guys are kind of in a, a, what did you call it? What kind of week are you guys in? You're in a, we're uh, a discretionary week. We went really hard for five weeks uh, going heavy lifts and running in the afternoon 
And then uh, you do the position work with your position groups. So like we've been kicking in like early, like 6 a.m. to 7, then we lift and then we go run later on in the day. But uh, so they gave us this week off and then we'll go back for a couple more weeks. I think we get one more discretionary week and then we're straight into fall camp and then off to Ireland. Okay. And you were talking about just a second ago, you said something about working with the specialists and just kind of going off into your position group. And that is something that I wanted to touch on real quick. What's it like for you this year with, you know, having a special team coach in Bill Bush compared to last year when you had Mike Dawson, he was an outside linebackers coach as well. So it wasn't his complete focus. And, you know, it seemed like special teams was an area that we really needed to have somebody focused on the year before that it was an analyst. So how is it having Bill Bush around right now and, and just having somebody who's specifically focused on Husker special teams, but not only that, you know, he's had success there in the past. Yep. Uh, definitely not to discredit coach Dawson at all though. Uh, I mean, coach Dawson can't control the way we kick or the way that we punt, you know, he did his best to create a game plan to make us successful. And if you think about the way that we never had, if we didn't have a field goal blocked, other than the Oklahoma game, which was just kind of like chance of fate there. Uh, you know, he can put in the perfect game plan, but if the players aren't in to execute it, it's not going to work out. And then uh, Coach Bush, having him there around all the time is really beneficial because he's got some connections to other guys that have been able to kind of help us out a lot. And uh, like we've been working a little bit here and there, like talking to Brett Maher, getting his feedback and stuff like that. Alex Henry comes around and talks to us. Uh, just to kind of give us like a little little tips here and there. And I know Sam Cook has been talking to the punters quite a bit, which Sam Cook, like almost a 20-year NFL vet, just retired this last year, easily the one of the greatest punters to ever play. So having Coach Bush, who's, uh, he's definitely, since it's like his main priority, you know, I'm glad that uh, he takes it so seriously. You know, the accountability is huge to him, and he makes sure that, we're there, we're on time, we're doing our stuff right, and we're getting everything executed properly. That seems to be a theme with a lot of um, the kids that I talked to today, whether it's like Chancellor Brewington, I talked with um, Kevin Williams Jr. Um, all these guys seem to have a theme right now of accountability is a word that I really, really hear a lot of from them. And I want, what's that like right now? Like, because it, and, and I don't want to say it's a buzzword, but I think that, you know, it's, it's one of those words that, that like exists in this world for a reason, right? Accountability is something that I preach it to my children. My bosses preach it to me. Um, you know, my, my parents used it for me. Right. And it's one of those words that's used across all, um, you know, facets of life, but I'm hearing it more and more from Husker players and people out there. And, you know, and again, I don't want to talk about the past as much really in this conversation moving forward, but now like, what's that like? I mean, you, to, you set accountability. What, what does that look like? Like what kind of accountability are they having for you here? Like, um, is it just the workouts, the way you eat? Is it, you know, film study? Like, tell me a little bit more about that. Obviously when you're in the facility, like accountability is one of those things that just comes naturally in the fact that like they give you the schedule, they tell you what you have to do. It's the stuff that you think that you, it's the stuff that you should be doing when the coaches aren't around or your teammates aren't around to push you. You know, if you're not making the right decisions on the weekends, if you're not making the right decisions when you're eating or like uh, stuff, just stuff like that, you know, it's, it's more self accountability than team accountability because uh, if you're not doing your one eleventh on the field, there's no way we're going to, 
be able to be any better than we were last year. You know, we need 11, all 11 guys on the field bought in accountable for their jobs and what they're supposed to do to actually be able to facilitate like a winning season this year. So I know that when you and I, we, we've texted back and forth a little bit. We actually got on a phone call one day. Um, I was headed into Lowe's to do a little landscape shopping. And, and uh, we talked for a little while on the phone and everything. And one of the things that we talked about um, was that you in no way plan on laying down as far as in the competition for the kicking job as well. Because I know you've had some success at other levels in like point after attempts and things like that. So um, what are you doing to push the guys that are theoretically ahead of you on the depth chart, um, you know, to make them better and possibly get yourself an opportunity out there? You know, competition is the healthiest thing you can have in an organization. If your job is handed to you, you're not going to progress at all. So I'm going into this season thinking that nobody's job is safe because really it's not. Uh, you One, you never know when the next guy's going to go down, or two, you never know when you're just going to end up like waking up one day and being like, well, it's it, like this is going to be me now. And then you, you grind and you work towards those things. And uh, we all kick together. We all push each other. You know, everything's a competition. And like uh, it doesn't matter if there's coaches there watching or not. You know whether you're having a good day or a bad day. And, a lot of the guys will shoot you the shoot you the crap about it if you're not having a good day. And they're like, Oh, well, that thirty-two yard line sure is getting you today. You know, and uh so if you're not if you're not getting at each other and getting in each other's head, you're not gonna progress to anybody else anymore. Cause I mean I read some of the tweets last year after games and yeah, you know, these fans are ruthless. So if you let them get yeah. to you like that, you know, if you're letting your buddies get to you, just imagine what somebody that's sitting behind a phone all day brewing up some mean things to say gonna do to you. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that the Twitter could probably want to be one of the most toxic places for, you know, anybody to reside. Um, you know, I'm I'm generally a pretty positive guy on Twitter. You see my tweets. Um, you know, we follow each other. And and, uh, you know, I the, the biggest thing I used to always hear is don't look at the mentions. Right. Don't go into your mentions. Um, but, you know, and, and to me, it's OK, though, because it sounds to me. Like, and we'll bring this word again. It sounds to me like you're accountable for the way that you have been. And you're also accountable for the way that you want to be. And, you know, it's one of the things I want to know. Oh, look at this. We got a key stat up there that you uh, ranked tied for 15th nationally in 2022 with 63.7 yards per kickoff. And that you uh, booted 38 touchbacks in your 62 kickoffs. Now, let's see here. I got to now I got to do the math so that I know exactly what your percentage was, unless you want to tell me that, you know, so. Yeah, it's um, like 7%-ish. Yeah, I was like, or 61, 62%, something like that. Um, yeah. But, okay, so when you're on the field, how much of that is is actually a really a real stat? They threw that up there. What, how much is that a real stat as compared to how much of that is game plan as well? Because there may be times where you don't want to kick it into the end zone, right? Like, you know, yep. maybe come up a little bit short for coverage purposes and whatnot, and we won't bring up, the you know kicking it to the wrong side of the field against Michigan State or anything like that as far as the punt goes um that wasn't you that was yeah. let's be clear that was not you um, I didn't kick any field goals and I didn't do any punting last year that's yeah there you go and 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 I think you would even mention at one point that you were marked down as the backup kicker but like when it came down to needing the backup kicker they went with a guy behind you for some reason and and uh so let's not Brent, Brennan just kicked the ball into the end zone last year. He was our Sebastian Janikowski. Okay. Like, yep. yep. So, uh, and, and now you're like six, three, two forty. So, you know, yeah. don't eat too many cheeseburgers or you'll look like Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, they, so, you know, they call me an absolute unit. 
when it goes. <laughs> well, yeah, good for you. Um, the uh, so one of the things though, like tell, talk a little bit about that strategy too, because there are times obviously you want to kick it in the end zone. Um, you heard the crowd at the spring game when the very first kickoff went into the end zone, right? There was a huge cheer for that, right? Like that's it's kind of like a big inside joke that everybody gets with Nebraska fans, but you know, you're not always looking to do that. So maybe talk a little bit about how you're approaching that strategy and when that strategy comes into play. So a couple of things like uh, the wind in the stadium, you it's, it's a confusing wind, but like we, we kick in there every practice. So, you know, we pretty much understand what we're getting into. If we have a really strong wind in our face and, you know, I'm pretty certain that we're not gonna, we're not going to be able to make it to the, or we're only going to be one or two deep. Uh, I just we just kind of go to get the ball as high as we can, get as much hang time under it so that we can get down there. I mean, I had two or three kickoffs last year that were six or seven deep, and they'd try to take it out. I mean, we'd get them down at like the eight yard line, so you know they're too stupid. They don't try that again. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it was one of those where uh, you know it's. Uh, Last season, I like to think that like I did really well, but at the same time, the whole accountability thing, I think that I should be somewhere in the 80% touchback range, you know, because it's, I just feel like from last year to this year, I've made a really big step just in the off season, working with Brett Maher and stuff like that and getting the tips and tricks from him on how to hit a cleaner ball. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've only been picking for like four or five years now total. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like last year was just pure leg strength. So once I start to facilitate some actual like routine and skill into it, then I'm hoping I can be hopefully in the top 10 in the nation for that. Looks like we have a question from Husker. Uh, it says, you joined the team last summer. Um, what was your recruitment like and how difficult was it for these new transfers to adapt to everything within the program so quickly? So my story was really unique because I left Morningside – uh, to go play soccer at Bellevue University in Omaha. And I was two ways away from signing my letter of intent to go play there instead when I got a call from Aaron Graham, who was on the 94 National Te- national Championship team. He was the starting center, played in the league for a while. Um, and he was like, hey, we have you an unofficial visit workout. So my recruitment was I walked in, you know, uh, I came uh, I came like an hour early. So like I sat there and I watched another kicker walk in and go do his workout. And then I just like kind of stretched and I hung out. And then eventually like they took me in, they got my measurements and stuff, but they didn't make me run a 40 or anything. You know, they don't care how fast I am. Uh, But then we went into the cook pavilion because they were running a camp. So I kicked in the rec center and uh, I did really, really well. And obviously I ended up getting signed, but the, uh, it's I'm very fortunate for the guys that are coming in so early right now, like at the beginning of the summer, because I came in two weeks before fall camp. So I had two weeks to try and make my friends. And then all the friends that I made didn't go to fall camp. So then I had to completely restart all over again uh, and just kind of get to know everything so fast. It was a, it was a really abrupt change, but the coaching staff and everybody there makes it really easy for you to feel welcomed and stuff like that. That that That's awesome. Um, so what what stadium so far that you've played in away stadium has been the hardest stadium for you to kick in? Uh, I did not love kicking in the Oklahoma Stadium, mostly because their fans were like within reaching distance of like your helmet. 
And so they would just sit behind you. If you went to go sit on the bench or I went to go warm up on the bike, like they'd just be talking mad shit, man. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Like I was like, I wouldn't hop. Like, so I hop on the bike like every five or six minutes just to make sure my hips are loose. And like, they're like, what, what do you think you're doing? 92. Think you're going to go in the game. You're trash. Like, I'm like, you know what, man? Like I put like a, I put like a towel on my head. Cause it was hot. You know, we're in Norman. It's like the third or fourth game of the season. It's like yeah. 90. And uh, what you got that? What you got that towel on for, man? You ain't even doing nothing. Man, it's yeah. hot. Yeah, pads on. <laughs> so that that was the hardest, not because of weather or because of conditions, but mostly because the fans were just right there on you the entire yeah, they, time. They don't make it easy for you to like really, you know, dial in the way you need to. I mean, obviously that wasn't a good kicking game. Yeah, you were or, two for five as far as touchbacks go. I think it was yeah, in that game. It was, right? yeah. And I mean, that wasn't like a great game for that, but our field goal percentage that game was also nothing to brag about. Another one score loss, man. Like Another one score yeah. loss, had a blocked field goal, our blocked PAT returned for two points, like mm-hmm. a couple missed, handful of missed field goals in there. Just a lot of turning points in the game that could have happened. Uh, but I also, I don't know why, but like the Wisconsin game, I just was, it was just was like, it just didn't feel like me. I actually switched. Like I was kicking and the cleats I'd kicked in all season. I was like, these just, it just doesn't feel right. I changed cleats at halftime and not another ball didn't end up in the end zone. I don't know what was going on, but it's just one of those mentality things. You know, some people have superstitious thoughts that'll lead to success. And I guess mm-hmm. I had one that I was like, I guess these cleats just aren't doing it anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you were two for five there too, which really wasn't much. The numbers weren't different, you know, as far as that goes. And I mean, again, the, I mean, if you took away the win loss record, like those were some of the best Husker games last year that I've watched, like, you know, feeling like you were in it the entire game. There was, you know, not really any game where, where I ever felt they were out of it, maybe against Purdue. I was actually up elk hunting during the Purdue game and um, trying to stream it through the Husker app the (laughs) the entire time. But like, it's funny because, you know, you, I was literally in the middle of nowhere, Colorado on the top of mountains. And that's where I was getting reception. And then sometimes I would hike down to these valleys and lose it. So I came back and had to, uh, had to, to find out the final result of that game. So that wasn't, that wasn't great, but I mean, that was my best game. All and season. that was, I was going to say, I think that was your best game as far as stats goes. I'm If you see me looking off here, I'm looking at your stats for each game. And, and uh, yeah, that was actually one of your better games. So. Yeah. And it kind of blew my mind because we had like a really, really strong headwind and they're like, you know what? Just like, just like try to get it like as deep as you can. Like we understand, like, and I put it like back of the end zone, like on the white of the back, like right next to the field goal post coach Frost walked onto the field and gave me a high five afterwards, which, you know, normally that doesn't happen. You That's know, great. you focused on the offense, but that was just kind of a big thing for us to make sure that we have that field position battle pretty much won if, our defense last year, like if a team could drive 80 yards, kudos to you because our defense was phenomenal last year. Yeah, your defense was was amazing last year. And but uh, I made a joke. I made a joke on our last show actually about that because um, we were talking about the Oklahoma game and with Casey being, you know, a, assumed to be the starting quarterback this year. You know, he threw six touchdowns against Oklahoma, and we had these analytic guys on our show on on uh, Monday night. And they were talking about all this stuff. And and I said, well, how good was Texas's defense compared to how good Nebraska's defense is? Because six touchdowns from Casey Thompson against Oklahoma this year, and we'll probably end up winning if we do the transitive property, right? Like that's, yeah. Sure. yeah. So, you know, that's, that's something that I think um, 
that I think is good. You said something a second ago, and I and I'll catch the little things, and then I'll call you out on it. So you said that Frost came out, gave you a high five, and that that didn't normally happen because his focus was on the offense. Okay. That being said, now we've got Whipple as the offensive coordinator. We've got Mickey Joseph, who is a huge part with a lot of the wide receivers and and everything. There's a great tight ends coach. You know, all of these players seem really focused on their positions right now. How do you see the way that uh, Coach Frost is managing the team differently this year as compared to last year? I think that this year he's he's. I don't think he was as hands on last year as this year. Okay, but I feel like this year, just with like the amount of like the amount that he's like invested in just being there every day and making sure like he's he's like in the rooms and making sure everybody's it's a big accountability thing again he's he's holding every coach he's holding every player accountable i'm not saying that he didn't last year i'm just saying that the accountability has been demanded at a higher level this year than it was last year okay and no and that's a great point too because you also said that you see him around going to every room right like and and that's that's good like you want him you want him kind of he, that's what his job is right he he should be kind of like the ceo of the team really right and yeah and, not, he's not just walking into the quarterback's room and talking to the quarterbacks or anything he's he's in every room he's making sure he's talking to every player uh making sure that you know that they know like their their role on the team and that they like if they perform at their role like we're going to be successful yeah so how big of an emphasis is he putting on special teams this year? Do you feel like there's a little bit more focus on you guys? The thing is, uh, special. I when I played at Morningside, our Steve Ryan, one of the greatest, I would argue, one of the greatest college coaches of all time at Morningside. Okay. He's one of the mo- most winningest records in college football. Period. Uh, he he used to say, "Special teams and turnovers win games." And I firmly believe that special teams and turnovers win games because if you think about the amount of points that are won and lost on special teams, the position battle that comes into special teams, and then obviously everybody knows that if you turn over the ball less than the other team, there's a good chance that you're going to win the game. Like I think it's like 80% chance if you have less turnovers or something stupid like that. But um, Coach Frost didn't shy away from special teams. We did special teams every day. We still will do special teams every day. We did punt every day. We did field goal every day. And then, like, we didn't do kickoff as much last year, but I can see us definitely continuing to implement that more, uh, those special teams more and more. I fully expect to do – I like, I come into every practice expecting that we punt and do field goal every day because that's what we did to make sure that, like, we could get those things solid. And so it's not that there was a lack of effort from any of the coaching staff. It's just, like, the execution on the player end last year was not where it needed to be. Okay. Well, so speaking of doing jobs, I've got a quick, uh, quick thing to talk about here with the Redcasters. If you don't mind holding on there a second, Brennan, and then we'll come right back. Um, so speaking of jobs, apologize. Hey, Redcasters, I know the economy has been tough and are you looking for a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having a competitive, stable history of over 20 years? What is FSC Edge, a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies, 
expert services, helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. And they support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the United States and Europe. You can work with fun people with great attitudes, learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer facing. You can dress just like me right now in your Husker tank top and your Go Big Red Cast hat. And you can work in a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. Job also comes with excellent benefits. Go check out available jobs today at www.jobsandfsc.com. All right, back to our show here. Thanks for putting up with me, Brennan. We got a we got our sponsors. We always got to take care of them. So um, now in this part of the show, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about you and and personal stuff, right? Like, so I always make sure that like we're not just having to talk football. Um, and part of not talking football, too, because as we know, NIL has nothing to do with the players and coming on to the teams. Um, you've got a little NIL deal going on, too, right? There's a there's a company that you are working with this, right now. Do you do you want to talk about them a little bit? I would love to talk about them. So uh, the, the owner of the company, the owner of the company officially, his name is Mike Sunderman. He is uh, he's an amazing guy to have in your corner. Uh, he's doing everything he can to make sure that this brand goes a really long ways because him and I can both, and that's something that him and I both like uh, resonate in that the fact that this could end up being like the next, just do it. So what eyes. is, what, what is, uh, what is the brand? Uh, the brand, it's the patented saying of there's only so many Saturdays make them count. You know, you get 12 Saturdays, you know, we, uh, and then he actually has these like in every color for like every team. So like you go on his website, you find what conference you're in, you find what team, and then you get your color of t-shirt in those teams. So like Nebraska's got gray and then red and white. He's got other players like Xavier, Xavier Watts up in Notre Dame. He's got a guy over at UCLA, guy at uh, UNLV, uh, guy up at Oregon. So okay. I mean, he, he's really spreading it quick. I know he's making some big money moves and, you know, he's trying to do uh, not only what's best for uh, the company, but what's best for us, because he's really he's really looked after us and really invested in like how we're doing on the field. He watches all of our games. He tapes them all. He'll send you a text before the game, after the game. Uh, he's really a great guy. And, you know, I just really think that this can go a long way. And I, I really believe in the only so many Saturdays brand. So uh, what's the website you want to go to if people want to purchase the shirts? I have that link in my bio on Twitter. Okay. Uh, it's okay. like it, It'll take you straight to the Husker one. And then from there, if you're not a Husker fan, which I don't know why you wouldn't be. Well, yeah, I know. Who, what what kind of nonsense is that, right? Like it, not like being a Husker fan. Joke. Uh, but, I mean, you can go on there and you can uh, go find your own T-shirt. I think they only run at like $15 or so. And, you know, they're great T-shirts. You know, you can do just about anything in them. I have like 100 of them. So, you know, I cut the sleeves off of some of them. I keep the sleeves on some of them. You know, I, I, I did not cut the sleeves off this shirt today. It's just really hot here. So, you know, sun's out, guns out. That's kind oh, of yeah. the, trust yeah. me. I, I had, if we had it in my world, everything would be a cutoff. But, yeah. And, and I think the website is saturdayscount.com backslash collections. And then you can go through for your favorite school, which is obviously the Huskers for everybody here. And again, that's saturdayscount.com backslash collections. Um, you know, I, you, you were pitching them. I was looking it up on your, on your, uh, site there. So, um, Right now you're out on your farm where you, where you grew up, right? Like, so you're kind of, are you in Gretna just outside of Gretna? Is that where you are? That's I, South, South, 
West Omaha, I think, if I remember correctly, yeah. right? So uh, I grew up kind of in the in the Gretna community and in Millard, more of a city lifestyle. And then uh, I I actually live with my stepdad and my mom when I come home. My my stepdad's the one who had the farm. It's out in uh, Valley, Nebraska, which is right outside of Omaha, kind okay. of to Fremont. If you're going from Omaha to Fremont. So uh, then here, you know, I live, I live like, this is my dream life when I'm out here, you know, there's nothing I love more than hopping on like the zero turn and mowing the pastures and just, you know, cause nobody bothers you while you're mowing. It's such a yeah. dad day, but nobody, nobody wants to bother you while you're doing it. Cause they're like, Oh, he's, he's being productive. I'm like, well, that's my me time. You know, nobody's calling me. Nobody's texting me. You know, nobody's, nobody's nagging at me. So, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that I've got, I've got four kids, right. And they range from age 21 to age three. And, and we just built this huge play set, which when it came, it came in five boxes and it said it would take up to three people to build it. And I did it pretty much by myself with my son's help. He's, he just turned 15 on Tuesday. Um, but with his help, I built it, but I would say that two thirds of it I did on my own. And then, uh, you know, so they're out there playing on that. And then I take out that lawnmower and they go inside for like bath time or something. And nobody says, you're right. Nobody says a word to me, man. I'm pushing that thing around in the front yard, in the backyard and, and doing all that. And I actually grew up on um, about three acres um, in Northern California, out uh, kind of in the country out there in Sonoma County, um, wine country. But I had a small farm as well, right? We, we raised sheep. I had a horse. We had chickens. We had a nice half acre plot for a garden. But the biggest thing was, like you said, was mowing the lawns. I, I had a little John Deere tractor that I'd drive around and I could also pull, um, you know, the hay out and, and, and throw it onto the, uh, to the trailer that hooked onto the back and, and do all that. So I know exactly what you're talking about because while a lot of people don't think of California or Northern California as like a farm area, I, I did grow up out in the country. I, I drove the farm truck from the time I was 14 until I got my license so, you know, those were, you know, I may not be from Nebraska, but I definitely like, you know, my, my, my mom's family's from there. And I think that's kind of where that comes from. So I, I, I feel you on that one. I um, I definitely do feel like every football player and every person kind of needs their little, their little place to kind of get away from everything. And, you know, this is my perfect excuse. You know, it's only 45 minutes to an hour away from my home. I drive uh, from my home in Lincoln, which is an apartment downtown. And I get here and like a, and it says I can be away from it. Nobody's asking me stuff. Like my parents know that when I come home, I don't want to talk about football. You know, I get enough of it when I'm, when I'm there. That's it's amazing. Always nice. Well, it's funny too, because you all do have your hobbies. Like, do you play video games or do you do any type of like gaming or anything like I'm that? I'm a huge gamer, but hunting and fishing, like just like going hiking, like I'll go mushroom hunting, antler hunting, like for sheds and stuff. Yeah. Rip wheeler around a little bit go go down to two rivers and just jump in there is it is it mostly like a whitetail for you is that what you're out there yep. looking for yeah right. so out here in colorado so i usually um i usually get like a muley tag and and uh, um and usually just like a cow elk because i don't have anywhere in my house if i if i if i took down a if i took down a bull i wouldn't know where to put put the rack anywhere so you know that's uh i got no room for it in my house it's all comic book stuff in my walls so I mean, in my, my stepdad, he's a super avid hunter as well. Uh, we, well, when my mom moved in, uh, she naturally moved some of the mounts out. <laughs> so, uh, she, she settled with half the mounts. So there's only like six in the living room now. Okay. Uh, throw like two or three of them in my room on the walls, you know, cause, uh, he's got a bear 
hung up in there. Okay. Uh, he's got a bear rug that got moved to my room because my mom didn't like it. Uh, and then we got the, we got some pheasant stuff, some ducks. I don't I don't know if you've ever seen a bear in the wild, but I don't know how they clean those things to where they don't smell because you can literally smell them coming from about a quarter mile away. Like if you're downwind from them, you can yeah. smell them coming. So they are they are one of the smelliest animals in 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 the world. And and it's funny because I did the first time I smelled one, I didn't know what it was. The second time I smelled one, I went the other way. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. no, no. I love it. I love it. I um actually have some pretty cool pictures from last year when I was hunting, and I was headed out the side of a mountain, and I took a wrong turn somewhere, and so I had to head back, and I was walking through probably about like a foot or so of snow, and when I was coming back, I was just following my foot tracks. Uh, back to where I, I wanted to take the correct turn. And as I was walking back, I stopped. I have pictures of it, of um, bobcat paws inside my boot track. So I was actually being stalked by a bobcat while I was, while I was elk hunting last year. So that was, that was actually one of my better stories, I think, because I didn't shoot anything last year. I didn't get anything down. So um, what else do you hunt? Do you hunt, do you hunt anything besides, besides whitetail? Do you do like dove or, um, uh flies it dies man so i mean pheasants geese ducks you know if it flies it dies it's just kind of how we roll around here you know what do you do, you do the uh sandhill crane at all i want to i want to do that little ribeye in the sky ribeye of the sky i was about to say the ribeye of the sky yeah i always wanted to try that but you know i've never gotten around to it most of hunting season is taken is taken up by football so it's yeah, gonna it really is out. you know last year i got out for one day of deer season and I ended up shooting a doe. So, I mean, I ended up nice. being pretty well set up, but, uh, you know, that's where we're at. Yeah. The, um, those Sandhill cranes. So they, they, I, I almost said commute, uh, they, they migrate, uh, through Colorado as well. And, and I got a buddy that, that does that every year. And I can tell you right now that the breast meat of the, of those cranes, it, it is literally like a ribeye. It, it, there's, it, there's a reason they call it that. And you can, you cook it basically exactly the same. There's no, you know, some, some game meat is, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, it's gamier than others. Bird meat. A lot of time is like, is very dark breast meat, you know, yeah. a lot of people don't like to eat like geese and stuff like that, but like, yeah, I know, it's oily. Yeah. yeah. I know a guy that can cook a deer steak quite well, you know, he's, he's got it. I don't know what he does to it, but at the end of the day, it's the best, best darn goose I've ever tasted. I'll have to send you my antelope recipe for the back straps and the, uh, and the, uh, tender and the tenderloins on there, because, uh, I, I do one, I marinate it basically in wine for red wine for, uh, about 24 hours, wrap it in bacon, bacon with a little rosemary. And then you, uh, you, you grill it on either side, almost like a, uh, what do you call them? The, the, the fine cut of, uh, of, of steak. And then, uh, and then, uh, throw them in the oven for about 10 minutes and it comes out perfect. So it's that marinating in the wine, whatever the acidity does for it. So that's always a good way for it. Um, so I guess when you're back on campus, do you have any, are your roommates players or. Uh, right now. So I was kind of in a, in a weird situation. I, uh, I didn't have anywhere. I lived on campus last year. Cause like, obviously I only had two weeks to figure out where I wanted to live mm -hmm. before I had to go. So right now I signed like a, I took over one of my buddies leases for the last two months of summer. That's not on the team. Cause he had a new one. And uh, we went out there and I live with three frat guys right now. Okay. Actually. okay. Uh, they're pretty cool though. You know, I, uh, you know, uh, are you like, in a fraternity? 
Uh, no, I'm not. I don't. You're I don't. you're in the fraternity of Nebraska Cornhusker yeah. football. That's yep. what it is. Yep. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, I thought I thought about it quite a bit. So you know, it's but all my buddies, you know, the beta theta pies, you know. Okay. In my, so I mean, uh, they, they, you know, they get after it, you know, and so I mean, they're <laughs> cool guys. You know, I yeah. love being with them. They're fun to be around. Uh, uh, during the week, you know, I can't like partake in, you know, their their actions their activities no that's smart that's smart yeah. man so, you, know, I, you know i gotta wake up every morning you you learn restraint at a young age I, i'm proud of you brandon yeah I'm if you learn restraint now you should have no problems in the future I, I, have a, I have a son that's your age so you know i i you know it's like i'm very proud of him i'm very proud of you for showing restraint in in some of the areas where you could really get yourself into trouble you know? trust me before when i signed here i have i've had some i've had a ton of amazing mentors throughout i've been here but like uh, it's always been academics 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 and then you can worry about football and then you can worry about then you can worry about the boys and then there was a really long list that they went through and then at the end they go then you can worry about a girl after all that's over what yeah that's right um <laughs> what's your major um i i started as an agricultural economics major okay. and then uh i uh i tried taking microeconomics like like the normal one and i barely passed that so then when they told me i had to take intermediate macro i was like there's not a chance that's happening so uh then now i am criminal justice with a concentration in agricultural economics okay so if you don't make it to the nfl um you know as a whether it's a uh getting drafted or as a free agent um what do you kind of see yourself doing later on in life i definitely want to do something in the farm industry uh i thought i thought i mean i've got a pretty broad major now considering that i have my concentration in ag mm -hmm. uh, i mean i'd love to do something like seed sales or uh, mm -hmm. crop insurance stuff like that okay. and then after that we can move forward and uh if i decide i don't like that i've always thought about being like a federal game warden or something which wouldn't be too bad but uh, hopefully you know i just make the big bucks and then we you really get after it and i yeah. decided I mean, I wasn't even going to go to college for anything, really. I was going to go and be an electrician because, you know, that's, you know, the money's in the trades nothing, now. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong being yeah. in a trade. The, the money's in trade and, you know, we're going to, we're never going to stop building. There's always that need for electricians. And I have a lot of, I respect a lot of people that are electricians. They're the people that give me that really wise advice about, you know, academics and keep on top of stuff. So, okay. Yeah, um. So, Someone Husker Knight asked a question and I'm going to put it up there for you again, but is there anybody specifically as far as um, on the team right now on special teams that we should keep an eye on? Maybe that nobody's thinking of, um, you know, right off, whether it's kick or punt returners, anything like that. Somebody that, you know, cause everyone's, you know, maybe saying like this person's going to be a returner. This person's going to, you know, be kicking punts or, you know, what, what is it, you know, who should we keep an eye on that's that maybe the underdog? I mean, uh, considering that like last year, you know, we had, uh, we, at the, by the time that like we hit the fourth or fifth game, we were just trying to call a fair catch for everything and make sure that like we had somebody back there that could secure the ball after the little mishaps we had here and there at the beginning. Um, but then after moving on, we go ahead and we see uh, like, uh, we have a room full of really talented receivers and running backs. And even some of our defensive guys like Tommy Hill, uh, Trey Palmer, Oliver Martin, we've got guy, we've got other guys like Zach Winemaster who can do really well. Uh, there's just too long of a list to credit them all, but uh, we we have a very good mix of dynamic kick returners this year. And so I don't 
the top, it's a complete toss up. I mean, obviously I'm not going to know more than one of the receivers would, but uh, I've, we've worked with all of them and they like, they, they work with the kickers pretty closely because obviously they need us to practice. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Okay. Um, so that's, that's actually pretty interesting to me because um, some, you said something that like last year, like after kind of some of the gaffes and whatnot um, that you guys were just in, instructed, you know, like catch it, get our offense on the field. Right. And that's, and that's really interesting to me as kind of like the best way to keep, from making a mistake is just kind of get, get the ball, get off the field kind of, kind of strategy. And so you don't think we're going to see as much of that this year, probably a lot more returns. Yeah. And then the other thing about last year is that the big 10 is just like, I mean, last year, obviously we didn't fit quite into this same standard or category, but the big 10 has insane special teams guys for kicking and punting. If you think about the guy who won Lou Groza, the kicker for Michigan, the punter for Illinois was insane the punter for Michigan state was nuts. Like these, like the big 10 is like special teams, the special teams conference, in my opinion, like we, like, I don't know like we, we had some of the best punters in the nation, just in our conference. So uh, even if we wanted to return it, we really didn't have much opportunity to do so. I mean, they said like, if you think you can get up field, catch it and get up field. But like, we'd rather have the ball than have you try to make a play and be the hero. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I, I would say that, and, and tell me I'm crazy, but you know, it's better. Like I said, no mistakes is probably a, a really good philosophy to have on special teams. Right. Like I think that that's a, that, yeah. that's a solid thing to think. Um, okay. So I listened to quite a few different podcasts and one of the podcasts that I really like, and here's another herd at plug for you is the mind your own podcast. It's Aaron Sorensen does it right. She's the, uh, I believe she's the editor in chief over there at, um, at Hale varsity. And she had somebody on the other day talking about um, the Ireland trip for you guys. And, and kind of like what a lot of people don't think about um, for athletes when they go over there, right. Everyone's like, Oh my God, you're going to have so much fun. You're going to Ireland. But let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about like what that's going to be like for you because you're traveling halfway across the world, right? Over the Atlantic, the furthest you've ever traveled personally. And, you know, what is it going to be like? I think Casey was the one that they were referencing. Um, You know, tell us what what that's going to be like for you, kind of what your schedule looks like, because you know they're talking about it because they've got to be prepping you for for the trip, right? I mean, Uh, so- we had our, our operations managers have already been in Ireland figuring out everything that's going to happen. They spent a week there making sure that like everything that we have is going to be, or everything that we have and everything we need is going to be accommodated for when we get there. And that was like a month and a half ago that those guys went over there. So um, from my understanding, we're going to go down there. It's a seven hour difference in time. Uh, so the one thing that people got to think about is the fact that we're going to need to start sculpting our sleep, sculpting our sleep schedule probably before we even get there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when we get there, we'll be not so groggy and, you know, look like a bunch of zombies out there. But, uh, from my understanding, we're going to be able to, we're going to practice every day. We're going to do everything like it would be a normal week, except like, I'm sure we'll go do so a little bit of sightseeing here and there, like as a team, you know, nothing that's going to get us tired. We're not going to go on like a 10 mile hike. Uh, but just, just stuff to like, stuff how, to how many days are you going to be there before the actual game? We fly out on, I think, a Monday night, and we will get there on, like, a Tuesday morning. Or we fly oh. out 
So Dang. you're out almost an entire week before the, like, like yeah. five days before the game. Yeah. All right. So can I give you some unsolicited advice? Because I've traveled over there about three times and you can pass this along to all your teammates. I'm sure that they've got the specialist telling you this too. Don't try as hard as you can not to sleep enough. Like keep your sleep schedule flying over there as much as you can normal. And then once you're there, stay awake during the day. And the first night that you sleep, sleep as long as you can. And then then when you wake up, go to bed at your normal time again, nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, whatever do that. Because otherwise like it gets you so off your schedule, it'll, it'll be, it'll drive you insane. So last time I went there, I was there for two and a half weeks. I got to England, which is basically right next to Ireland. Um, We flew in, we tried to like, okay, we'll just like, we stayed up the entire night because we didn't land until about six o'clock at night over there. We stayed up almost the entire night because we couldn't fall asleep instead of doing that. The very we lost an entire day to sleep. We slept for almost 15 hours straight the next night because we didn't follow our own sleep schedule. So I I highly recommend following your normal sleep schedule, going to bed at the same time that you normally go to bed at. That's the best way to adjust. Um, and there you go. If, if you guys win, I'm taking full credit. Um, <laughs> so so uh, do do you know that do they have anything planned for you guys? Um, as far as like activities to do, because obviously then you're not going to have a lot of free time to be walking around and doing stuff. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're going to have for us, but I know whatever we do, it's not, it'll probably take up an hour or two of our time and then it will be more of relaxing. Cause uh, if we're going to do anything, we're not going to be on our feet for very long. It's going to be one of those things where, uh, we're having walkthroughs and stuff every day and making sure that we're ready and fine tuned in for the game by the time we get there. Yeah. So the scenario here, and I'm, I'm building into this. So you go to Ireland, you beat Northwestern, you come back, you've got three weeks at home, right? You've got, um, what is it? South Dakota. You've got uh, Georgia. Southern. Uh, it goes North Dakota, oh. Georgia, Southern, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Okay. North, North Dakota. Right. Is that okay. Um, and, uh, and, uh, there you go. North Dakota, Georgia, Southern Oklahoma. I will be at the Georgia Southern game, but okay. So three weeks in a row at home leading into that Oklahoma game being the third week, how's that going to be for you guys? You know, obviously you've got to focus on the opponent in front of you, but for you as a kicker, you're going to right there. You're going to be so dialed in, in that stadium, right? Like at that point, you're going to be sleeping in your own bed for almost a month straight. You know, how are you guys kind of approaching that aspect? Because you come back and you've got a early morning game the following week, I think after, after getting back from Ireland, then Georgia Southern is a night game. It's a five o'clock start. And then you've got the Oklahoma, which is the big noon kickoff. So how are you guys kind of prepping for that? Like, are you, is that something you guys are talking about already? Uh, we're definitely talking about it, but by the time we get there, I think our sports psychologists will probably come in and talk to us a little bit more about that to make sure that we get everything squared away by the time we get there. I know that um, we have an insane amount of resources to help us adapt and overcome like any kind of problems that we could run into sleep wise or energy wise. Uh, we're very well taken care of in that aspect that when we, get to that point we shouldn't have any issues and as long as you're like i said accountable for everything that you're doing and you're doing the right things to prepare for these games and doing what you're told then i don't think that we should have any kind of issue going into it no that's that's great because 
Um, everyone knows it's like the big joke with me is that, you know, 15 and 0. And then last week, you know, or a Monday night, we had a analytics guys on that basically said, you guys have a better chance of going 12 and 0 this year than you do um, going three and nine again. Um, right. It's like a 3.19% chance. And I even put that in my Twitter bio and everyone knows that I drink the Kool-Aid. I am, I am Kool-Aid guy on the Redcast. Um, and, you know, I see you guys with a very advantageous schedule this year. And, you know, it's, and obviously the back end of the schedule is probably going to be like the toughest overall for you guys, especially if you're winning all the games that, that, that we feel like you should. Um, do you kind of circle things on the, on the schedule? Do you, is there a game that is in Oklahoma, you know, that you're looking forward to almost more than any other game? Like maybe something you feel like you have to prove. If I'm being completely honest, everybody's always going to be psyched about the Iowa game, but I don't, I really hate looking past teams because when you look past teams, that's when you get yourself into trouble because mm-hmm. I would hate to be doing really well and have us look past a team like Indiana and then have them pull out like a, a really big upset on us when uh, it's a team that we should have been able to take care of, but we were too focused on the next game. You know, you got to go day by day game by game, you know, preparing for each team individually. Obviously, I hate Iowa with more passion than you can possibly understand. So it's just by the time I get there, uh, I'll be pretty psyched for it, but I'm not going to look forward to it until the week of Thanksgiving when it's about to happen. So let's talk about that real quick, because, you know, that's kind of like one of those, like, Twitter battles that everyone's always having, saying who is the Huskers' biggest rival. But for you, you're a Nebraska kid playing for the Huskers. I'm just going to assume that you've been a Husker fan your entire life. And this is a dream come true. And, and you just said that you hate Iowa. And um, so how are you? You're what? 20, 21 years old. I'm 20 years old, 20 years old. Okay. So for you growing up, I guess when you really started to pay attention for, to football, was that right around the same time that we went into the big 10? So my earliest memories of me watching Nebraska football really intensely was Taylor Martinez when he came in and that's, and then the turf toe, like we used to joke about turf toe on our football team when I was little. And I mean like NCAA 10 was like my first NCAA game that like I just tore it up on. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those that you're looking at it and you're thinking like, uh, so you were that eight year old kicking my butt on, on, uh, you know, PlayStation. No, I, and I wish yeah. I could say that I was good. At, <laughs> but man, am I horrible? Yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. The, um, so, you know, I guess when, when you look at it from that perspective too, is just kind of like the, the local kid making good, right. That's kind of, really what Nebraska football has always been about, right? Like, and that's where we want to get back to is a lot of the local kids recruiting, things like that. Um, How much do current players have when like players are coming on campus, right? For their official visit, or you've got these high school kids around that are coming on to campus for their visit, right? Because the recruiting in, um, you know, for Nebraska right now, is something that in-state stuff is something that a lot of people really 
focus on. And I feel like we are getting a lot of these kids right now and it's actually getting better. And there's maybe a couple of kids that we've missed on, but they're also like two or three classes out that we could still bring back in. Do you play any role in any of those where you start talking to any of those kids when they're on campus? The, the one I really, really wanted to come here and that I think that we're going to miss out on, you know, that we didn't pursue harder was Zane Flores. He signed for Oklahoma state. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's possibly one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen at really like any level. He started as a freshman when I was a senior and uh, he's a really great kid, really down to earth. And like, uh, he just isn't phased. Like if he throws a pick, it's not like it's the end of the world and he's going to go throw three more. It's like he's dialed back in. He's in the elite. He's in the elite 11 finals. Now I know he's not like our standard quarterback. Cause he's not like as much of a running quarterback as somebody like maybe like Logan Smothers, or Adrian Martinez, but I feel like that we're missing, like uh, we've been missing kind of like that passer who can make those tough, tricky passes like over the, like, you know, putting the ball where it needs to go at the right time at the right place. And I feel like that's where he did really well and like we missed out on him. But other than that, when we have recruits come in, it's not just, I wouldn't say that I have any, I have as much hand as like a lot of the other guys, but I would say that like, I definitely never make a kid feel like this isn't the place to be because it really is. Yeah. So we have the great, we have the greatest staff. We have the greatest facilities. You know, I mean, you can argue like, Oh, Alabama has the greatest facilities. Well, we were Alabama before Alabama was Alabama. Okay. Like we're just going to start there. We got tradition. All right. So go big red, you know, exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. No, no, man, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Last question. And then I'm going to let us get out of here. That tattoo, man, it's nice and shiny. It looks all oiled up like you you got it. All right. How new is it? Uh, I got this yesterday. Oh, there you go. There you yeah. go. You need, so, to, you need to put some lidocaine on that, buddy, and, like, you know, it should be wrapped. You know that. I got some right? Aquaphor on it right now. We're making You do. You do. Ripped. I use the um, basically, like, the stuff I – what do they call it? Like, new skin or the um, – I can't even think of the name, but it's like a wrap. You put it around it. They use it on burns. If yep. you put, if you leave that on there for about, for about four or five days, um, it'll, it'll heal so fast. You unbelievable. So yep. you should try that out. So as you can see, I got a, I got a few myself, right? Like I got half sleeve here. I got my venom tattoo. I don't know if a lot of people. So yeah, you know, I'm a big tattoo guy. Um, well, cool. Is there one of the traditions on the Redcast is we always like to give the parting shot to our guest. Right. So I'm going to let you take us out of here with, you know, something positive, upbeat for all Husker fans to hear about this upcoming season. All right. Well, I can tell you, I can start by just saying, you know, uh, and I'll start and take us out of here by saying this. uh, Every year you're going to hear us say that, like, this is the year. And I mean, like, there are years where you believe it and years when you don't. But if you really take a look at the guys that we've brought in, the new coaches we've brought in, the new transfers we brought in, the new recruits we brought in, the amount of effort that's been put into making sure that this program gets back to the way it was a decade ago, or two decades ago, uh, I think that, you know, every team goes through that one phase where it goes down. But from this year on, it's an ascending football team. You know, we're just going to keep getting better and better and the youth on this squad is insanely talented and I don't see us ever going back to a three nine season anytime soon. My Lord, that is just straight fire spitting fire. What is it? Bet no cap. All right. So the <laughs> trying to be cool, like all you kids. So thanks for watching today's episode, Redcasters. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, smash that bell. So you get notified every time we go live. And with that, 
is the Go Big Redcast. Go Big Red. A Huda Media Production.